1: Us, I'm Kelsey, and I'm Sierra, and we are Basic Murder Babes.
2: Woohoo! Just so everyone knows, let me start out by saying that I am visiting my family in Ohio right now. So this is a new room, and if my sound sucks, I am sorry. But I think it's small enough to be
1: okay. I did a little test run, and it sounded okay. Okay. So hopefully, it's okay. Hopefully, and um, to be a jerk, my husband hid my microphone from me today and so I don't know if my um, gadgets and gizmos back here are not okay. So if they're not, I'm super sorry. Blame him. He's a turd. He lost his headphones and so he lost his headphones because of me. So he proceeded to hide my microphone until I found his headphones. So what are you (laughs) using? My microphone, but... In case any of the right. buttons were yeah. moved, you know. Okay. okay. So, yeah, we're good. Okay. Okay. So, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, So far, I have had two shots of Old Smoky Gatlinburg, Tennessee Sour Raspberry Whiskey. Oh, that sounds yum. It is so good. I think I'm going to do one more. And then one shot of... Old Smoky Tennessee Moonshine Mountain mm. Java Cream Liqueur. Mm. It tastes like coffee, and it's delicious. And, uh, Trulies.
1: Yum! Yes. So you have I a also, whole bar with you.
2: I do. I have a cooler next to me, honestly. Uh, Hell my, yeah. I'm at my mom's house, and I was like, Mom, I need to raid your alcohol for this podcast tonight. <laughs> and she gave me some things, but she was like, "There's, I have, um so in total there's nine of us like siblings um some of them are step siblings some of them are real siblings um but she was like there's so many kids in this house so i'm not gonna put it in the fridge you have to keep it in the room you're staying in so yeah i got a cooler right here
1: yay
2: Um, i also have these smirnoff ice red white and berry have you ever had these no are they good I don't know. I haven't opened it yet. I've heard many good things, though, so Hmm. I'm excited to try that.
1: What are you drinking? So, I'm one large margarita in, Um, so it's a pineapple margarita. I have another one right here with me, and then, just for shiggles... I brought an entire bottle of wine. So, there here go. it is. <laughs> so just in I, case. I have an entire bottle of wine just in case I get thirsty. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Let's jump into this good old thing. So, many people know that the anniversary of an incredibly m- famous murder took place this past week along with the most infamous car chase in history which also took place 26 years to the day that you are listening to this episode. I am of course talking about the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman and in the infamous white Bronco chase that happened June of 1994. Yes. So, I wanted to do this one because it's one of my absolute favorite ones. I didn't Um,
2: know that.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, So, fun fact about this is my mom's 21st birthday was on June 17th, 1994. So, that is the exact day that the Bronco chase happened. So, uh, all my life... I heard how she rang in her birthday watching the Bronco Chase on live TV, which I always thought was, like, really cool, you know, like, to be able to see it. Especially, like, on your birthday. Like, okay, cool. (laughs) So, like, being a true crime or a crime person, like, that's totally cool. So, I typed out a lot of what I'm going to say, just so I don't miss anything, but there are some things that are um, going to be, like, what I've read and what I've overheard um, throughout the years. So if I get facts wrong, I apologize. Just remember, I'm here for the fun of the storytelling and not as a reliable source. Yeah, if you wanted
2: so. a reliable spo- source, you would not be listening to us because we are <laughs> exactly just two friends who like to talk.
1: Yeah, and drink and have a good we are time. not professionals. Mm-mm. Alright, so I'm going to kick it off now. So, Nicole Brown was born on May 19th, 1959 in Frankfurt, Germany to her parents Judy and Lou. Her mother was German and her father was American and they moved to the U.S. where Nicole attended school at Rancho Alamitos High School in Garden Grove, California. And she later transferred to Dana Hills High School in Dana Point, California, where she graduated in 1977. In the same year, she would meet her future husband, O.J. Simpson. Of course, O.J. Simpson was a superstar football player, so he was pretty famous. Yes. Um, O.J. and Nicole met in 1977 when she was 18 years old and working as a waitress at a Beverly Hills private club called The Daisy. Although O.J. was still married to his first wife, the two began dating, which I actually didn't know. Yeah, that's not something that's brought up often. Yeah. So, soon after O.J. and Nicole met, O.J. and his first wife decided to get divorced, O.J. and Nicole were married on February 2, 1985, five years after O.J. retired from the NFL. Their marriage lasted seven years, and they had two children together, Sidney and Justin. O.J. was investigated multiple times by police for domestic violence. Detective Mark Furman responded to Simpson's Rockingham estate in 1985 on a domestic call. Nicole was crying after Simpson broke the windshield of her car with a baseball bat. Then on New Year's Day in 1989, OJ beat Nicole. She called 911 and told officers, quote, he is going to kill me. OJ pleaded no contest to spousal abuse. Mm. Yeah. Photos of Nicole's bruised and battered face from the attack were shown to the court. Then, on February 25th, 1992, Nicole filed for divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. These are hard words to say when you're slightly (laughs) tipsy, (laughs) just so everyone knows. Let me get a little sippy sip. Alright. Following the divorce, Simpson and Brown got back together, and the abuse continued. On one occasion, Nicole Nicole called 911 on... October 25th, 1993, crying and saying that O.J. was going to beat the shit out of her. After the incident, the relationship would end for a second time and a final time. A few weeks before her murder, Nicole also reported that a set of keys went missing from her house, which later would be found in O.J.'s possession when he was arrested. Do you think that, um, like...
2: Being a football player makes people more aggressive. I feel like domestic violence is, like, a big thing with
1: football players, right? I agree. I mean, their entire career is meant to hurt and pretty much bring down people.
2: Yeah, like, even if they're not the tackler, like, it is all competition all the time.
1: Right, exactly. And you want to be dominant. Right. And if you're the type of person that feels like you're not being dominant, then yeah, I totally get how you could, you know, maybe want to be that person and assert your dominance. And then
2: not even that, like, how many times do football players get concussions? Like, their heads are, they're probably all messed up.
1: Hmm. And that is a huge thing with him, and um, also uh, Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. So both of them had the same sort of—I don't know what it's called—but the same sort of brain, um, like the, contusions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's caused. It's said to be caused by concussions, but it can cause extreme anger in the person. So it's crazy very much so so yeah i think that that is a huge play on on the domestic violence stuff just four days before her murder um a woman's gentle a woman's shelter received a call from nicole she said she was afraid for her life and her ex-husband um who was believed to be stalking her on nicole's last evening alive she returned she attended a dance recital of Sydney's Paul Revere Middle School with her family. OJ was also in attendance. After the recital, the family went out to eat at the Mezzaluna restaurant. However, OJ was not invited to the family outing. Ron Goldman was the waiter for them that night, although he was not assigned to Nicole's table. After dinner, the kids and Nicole went for ice cream at Ben and Jerry's before returning home. Around 9.37 p.m., Nicole's mother called the restaurant looking for a pair of glasses that were left at the restaurant. The manager found them, and once Ron finished his shift around 9.50, he went to Nicole's house to return the glasses. Okay, wait.
2: So, one of the things that, um, I'm not saying your story is wrong, but one Mm -hmm. of the things that I have found that is differentiating from different like from account to account is that ron goldman wasn't the waiter he actually attended the dinner oh really and that he went back to her house her mom was like hey i left my glasses so he left nicole's house went to the restaurant grabbed the glasses and came back wow either way he's the one with the glasses at her house afterwards. but yeah that's crazy
1: very i've never heard that that. okay Both sound accurate. Like, it could definitely happen. Um, So, on June 13th, 1994, at 1210 a.m., Nicole and Ron were found murdered outside of Nicole's Bundy Drive condo in the Brentwood area of Los Angeles. Both victims had been dead for about two hours prior, prior to their arrival of the police. The murders... Would be said to have taken place around 10:15 to 11 p.m. Nicole's dog had blood-stained blood paws and led neighbors to the bodies. Stephen Schwartz would be the person to discover the bodies and flag down a passing patrol car. Nicole was found face down and barefoot at the bottom of the stairs leading to the front door, which was left open with no signs of forced entry nor any evidence that anyone had entered the home. Think about those keys. Mm -hmm. The scene had a large amount of blood, but the bottom of Nicole's feet were clean, leading investigators to conclude she was murdered first and that she was the intended target. She was stabbed multiple times in the head and the neck, this is harder than I thought. <laughs> I'm being a little tipsy and trying to tell a story, you know? Yeah. She had few defensive wounds on her hands, which implied a short struggle to investigators. The final cut was deep into her neck, severing her carotid artery. Sorry if I didn't say that right. It's a hard word. Carotid. Carotid. That's right. Her. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Nicole did have a large bruise on the center of her upper back, so investigators concluded that after the assailant had killed Ron, he returned to Nicole's body, put his foot on her back, causing the bruise, pulled her head by the back of her hair, and slit her throat. God, I don't think I've ever heard,
2: like, the details of her body. Every time I've ever heard the story, it's just like, she was beaten, she was stabbed, you know? Right. I've never heard such details, like... His foot was on her back and pulled her head and slit her throat. Oh, God.
1: Yeah. Her larynx could be seen. Okay.
2: Thank you. Do you need something? You're interrupting.
1: Sorry, Jesse's here. That's okay.
0: I'll bring you something. Hey, girl, hey.
1: Hey, boy, hey.
2: She said, hey, boy, hey. Will you open this? (laughs) I don't know how to use a bottle opener. Oh, my God. It's not me, right? Is it upside down?
1: Ah, thank you. Yay. (laughs) super shitty. More drinks. More drinks. So, her larynx, which is like part of your throat, could be seen through the gaping wound in her neck. Her head remained barely attached to her body. Oh, God, I did not realize it was so bad. Yes, she almost was decapitated. Part of her spinal cord was severed. That's
2: insane. Also, yes. the Smirnoff ice is really good.
1: That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. So, underneath Nicole was a restaurant menu she may have been holding. Why, I don't know, because she just ate. It's not like she was, like, ordering food in. Right. And why would he bring... Uh, uh, menu. I don't know. That was just weird to, to me. Theories. Um. Okay. So underneath Nicole's body, I said that on her banister was um a melting cup of ice cream, and her bath was full, and she had lit candles. She had also had the stereo and the television on. Ron was close by, um, nearby a tree, and. Offense, and he had been stabbed multiple times in his body and his neck. But like Nicole, he relatively had few defensive wounds, which signified a short struggle to investigators. Forensic evidence from the Los Angeles County Coroner alleged that Ron had been attacked and stabbed repeatedly in the neck and the chest with one hand while the assailant restrained him With an arm chokehold. Which is crazy that they can see that. Yeah. Near on were his beeper and his keys. As well as a blue knit cap. the, uh, The assailant wore. And the left hand glove. Which was extra large light leather. Robert... Risky, the first officer on the scene, testified to seeing a single bloody glove among the evidence at the crime scene. Also near Ron was an envelope containing the glasses he was returning. Bloody shoe prints leaving the scene through the back gate were left by the assailant. To the left of some footprints were drops of blood from the assailant who was apparently bleeding from his left hand. There were also coins on the ground. Apparently, the assailant was reaching into his pocket. Also, measuring the distance between the steps showed the assailant walked away rather than ran, which I thought was crazy. Like, you are not scared to get caught, I guess. Right.
2: because it's like a, I mean, you live in wherever they live. It's, it's a, Fancy area, like
1: right, Brentwood, California, yeah, yeah, people are definitely around. It is midnight, so like people probably aren't that much around, but again, it's Hollywood, it's California. I yeah. mean, you look at movies and people are out partying and stuff, so I feel like that's kind of real life, yeah, and especially um, even, on- even if it wasn't like if I was in
2: Brentwood, California, even if I didn't know that there was a murder about to happen. Like I'd be mm-hmm. driving around looking at celebrities' houses. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just the fun thing.
1: Me to too. Do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So OJ was scheduled for a red eye flight at eleven forty five p.m. to Chicago to play golf the following day at a convention which he was the spokesperson of. The limousine driver Alan Park was scheduled to pick him up and take him to the Los Angeles International Airport, and he arrived around 10.25 p.m. He drove around Simpson's estate to make sure he could navigate the area with the stretch limousine properly, and testified that he did not see Simpson's Ford Bronco parked outside. Park testified that he had been looking for and seen the numbers for the house on the curb and the prosecution presented exhibits to show that the position in which the Bronco was found the next morning was right next to the house number, implying that Park would surely have noticed the Bronco if it had been there at the time. Park also noted that the house was dark and nobody appeared to be home as he smoked a cigarette and made several calls to his boss to get Simpson's phone number. He then testified he saw a shadow... Okay. He then testified that he saw a shadowy figure resembling Simpson emerge from the area where the Bronco was later found to be parked and approach the front entr- entrance before a boarding, And the same person then appeared shortly afterwards from the southern walkway entry to the house and the front door and then and then through the front door and the lights came on. At the same time, Park witnessed the shadowy figure head towards the south walkway where the bloody glove would be found later. OJ finally came out the front door a few minutes later, claiming he had overslept. Park also noted that on the way to the airport, Simpson complained about how hot it was and he was sweating. He also rolled down the window despite it not being a warm night. Park also testified that he loaded four luggage bags into the car that night with one being a knapsack that simpson would not let park touch and insisted he would load it himself we will get back to all things oj right after a word from this week's sponsor so we will be right back Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily
0: bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: All right, back from our brief uh, intermission. Hope you got some snacks, all that good stuff, or more wine, or more margaritas.
2: Okay, <laughs> I should have took a pee, but whatever. Here we go. I should have too, but
1: oh well. We're we're here. We're back. <laughs> So, soon after discovering that the female victim was, in fact, Nicole Simpson, the LAPD commander, Keith Bushy, ordered detectives... Oh, this talk to text. Uh, I'm not going to say the detectives' names, because I don't know what the heck it tried to type. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, he ordered detectives. I know Philip... Phillips and Furman uh, to give um, Simpson the news about the death and to go pick up his children um, who had been at Nicole's condo at the time of the murders, which is really, really sad. Like, their parents, or not their parents, their mom got murdered and they were there at the house. That's traumatizing. Not that they saw anything, but still, just to, like, think about, like, as a child, like, my mom got killed when I was sleeping in the same house, you know? So, they buzzed the intercom at the property over um, 30 minutes, but received no response. They noted that the Bronco was parked on Rockingham at an awkward angle with its back out more than the front, and had blood on the door, which they feared meant someone inside might be hurt. Detective Vanner then instructed Furman to scale the wall and unlock the gate to allow the other three detectives to enter. Detectives would argue they entered without a search warrant because of exsituent circumstances, specifically out of fear that someone inside might be injured. In a walk around the premises to inspect everything, Furman discovered a bloody glove. It was later determined to be the matching right hand glove to the one found at the murder scene. The evidence was determined to be probable cause to issue an arrest warrant to for Simpson. Detective Ron Phillips testified that when he called Simpson in Chicago to tell him of his ex-wife's murder, he sounded very upset but was oddly concerned about the circumstances but wasn't oddly concerned about the circumstances of her death. Phillips noted that Simpson only asked if the children had seen the murder of Nicole's body but was... Okay, pause here. So, another
2: thing that I've heard is they called him, and they said, Nicole is dead. And he said, who murdered her? Oh. As if he already knew it was a murder. Again, Mm. this is just, there's so many different accounts of this story. This is just one of the ones that I've heard, but that's a little strange. That? If that part is true.
1: Yeah, that is, because, like... Why would you reply, who murdered her? Because, like, she could die any way. Right. She could have been in a car crash. Right. Exactly. Um, so, let's see. The police arrested Simpson at his home on Monday, June 13th, and took him to Park Center for questioning. And Detective Lang, I don't think that's his name, but we're going to say Lang, noticed that Simpson had a cut on his finger on his left hand. That was consistent with where the killer was bleeding from, and asked Simpson how he got it. At first, he claimed he cut his finger accidentally while in Chicago after learning of Nicole's death. Do you know? Do you know how they knew
2: that that was the finger that would have been cut? Like I know they said that there was
1: yes, Blo- like, the blood. blood from
2: someone else.
1: Remember, the blood splatter was like on the left hand, on the left side. Of the footprints, so they knew that... Oh, okay, so it was like drips. Right, exactly. Okay. Drips walking in the left, it was on the left-hand side. So that's how they realized. It was actually Lange, not Lange, but whatever. Lange (laughs) then informed Simpson that the blood was found inside the Bronco at which point, Simpson admitted that he did cut his finger the same day as the murders, but he did not remember how. He voluntarily gave his own blood for comparison with uh, evidence collected at the scene. Because it's 1994, and you know, yeah. DNA testing? Psh, that crap don't right? right? Exactly. You can, <laughs> you can totally get off without that, you know? Sippy sip, da 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 Let's see. I don't know where I'm at. Okay. Simpson then hired Robert Shapiro, big man Robert Shapiro. We all know him. Mm -hmm. Uh, On Tuesday, June 14th, and began assembling the quote-unquote dream team, but noted an increasingly uh, distraught Simpson had begun treatment for depression. On Wednesday, June 15th, polymer... Preliminary results from DNA testing came back with matches to Simpson, but the district attorney's office delayed filing charges until all results had came back. So on June 16th, Simpson spent Thursday night at the San Fernando Valley home of his friend Robert Kardashian, and Shapiro asked several doctors to attend to him because Simpson's fragile mental state. Poor baby. (laughs) On Friday, June 17th, detectives recommended that Simpson be charged with two counts of first-degree murder with special circumstances of multiple killings after the final DNA results came back. The LAPD notified Shapiro at 8.30 a.m. on Friday that Simpson would have to surrender that day at 9.30 a.m., Shapiro went to the Kardashian home to tell Simpson that he would have to surrender by 11 a.m. And an hour after the murder charges were filed, Simpson told Shapiro he wanted to turn himself in. And the police agreed because they believed that someone as famous as Simpson would not be able to flee. The police even agreed to delay his surrender until 12 p.m., so, Simpson could be seen by a mental health specialist after showing signs of suicidal depression.
2: He. Hey, wait. Yeah. Why do they think that someone as famous as Simpson would not be able to flee? They think that just like everyone will notice him? Yes, exactly. Okay, so have you ever seen these tweets and memes about Tony Hawk? No. Nobody notices Tony Hawk. Sorry, that's what this reminded me of. As soon as you said that, Tony Hawk writes tweets all the time about his interactions with like TSA. That like people are like, "Hey, has anyone ever told you you look like a really old version of Tony Hawk?" Oh he's, like, no, no, thanks. Because <laughs> his Tony name is actually Hawk. like Anthony, so they look at it and they're like, "Oh no, you're not him." Like, is it not <laughs> it's like so- Anthony
1: Hawk? Oh, it is. Yeah.
2: No, there was another one that was like someone said, "Hey, you have the same last name of that really famous skateboarder," and he's like, "Yep,
1: I do." Oh (laughs) my god! Well, it's so funny. At this day and age, it was like he was like a star, like right. We'll say like the Kardashians, you know, like he was a big star. So yeah, I think he was. Well, noticed, or he would be well noticed, you know. Um, so let's see. Um, at this time, he updated his will, he called his mother and his children, and he wrote three sealed letters. One went to his children, another to his mother, and one went to the public, which is like, okay, like, you're not that cool, (laughs) you know? Yeah,
2: you're not, you're not like, (laughs) you're not. The president yeah, of 1994.
1: Exactly. Seriously. Like, I get it. You think you're, like, a superstar, but still. Okay, whatever. Um, then, more than 1,000 reporters waited for Simpson's perp walk at the police station, but he did not arrive when he was supposed to. Bum, bum, bum!
2: Then... I don't know if I would either, if there were so many Right, I would there, be like...
1: like back
2: up yeah i'll come back like at midnight mm-hmm. when they're gone this is ridiculous
1: knowing them like innocent they still until proven
2: there. guilty also like right leave me alone i am coming in by myself give
1: the give me know. some space yeah yeah <laughs> exactly Um, so, the L.A., whoa, hold on. I just, like, I just, like, zoomed all the way up. I don't know where I'm at. Hold on one second. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, okay, here I am. The LAPD then notified Shapiro that Simpson would be arrested at the Kardashian's home. Kardashian and Shapiro told Simpson this, but the police arrived an hour later, and Simpson was gone. With... A.C., a.k.a. Al Cowlings. The three sealed letters had, um, the three sealed letters he had written were left behind. At 1.50 p.m., Commander Dave Gaskin of the LAPD um, chief spokesperson publicly declared that Simpson was a fugitive and the police issued an APB for him and, and an arrest warrant for A.C., Around 5 p.m., Kardashian and one of the defense lawyers read Simpson's public letter. In the letter, Simpson sent greetings to 24 friends and wrote, First, everyone understand I had nothing to do with Nicole's murder. He described the fights with Nicole and their decision not to reconcile as normal in a long relationship and asked the media as one last wish to not bother his children. The letter also included that I cannot go on, in an apology to the Goldman family. And the letter concluded, Don't feel sorry for me. I've had a great life, great friends, and people think of the real OJ, not this lost person. Most interpreted this as a suicide note from Simps- and Simps- Ugh, la, 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 la. This is really hard to- Talk about drunk. <laughs> just so you know, as I drink more. <laughs> well, um So Simpson's mother Eunice collapsed after hearing it, and reporters joined the search for Simpson. At the Kardashian press conference, Shapiro said that he and Simpson's psychiatrist agreed with the suicide note interpretation. Shapiro pleaded to Simpson to surrender on live TV. News helicopters searched the Los Angeles Highway for the white Ford Bronco, and at 5.51 p.m., Simpson reportedly called 911 and the call traced to the San Ana Freeway near Lake Forest. Around 6.20 p.m., a motorist in Orange County notified California Patrol after seeing someone believed to be Simpson riding in the Bronco on the I-5 freeway. Heading north... And by A.C., the police tracked calls from Simpson's cell phone. At 645, police officer Ruth Dixon saw the Bronco head north on Interstate 405. When she caught up t- to it, A.C. shouted that Simpson was in the back seat of the vehicle and had a gun to his own head. The officer backed off. Wow. Yeah, I know.
2: Correct. I, I, I didn't realize that uh, the officer who first... Got up there was a woman. Yeah. Hey. Good job, girl. <laughs>
1: um. The officer backed up, but followed the vehicle at thirty-five at thirty-five miles per hour, with up to twenty police cars following in the chase. The high degree of media participation caused camera signals to appear on incorrect television's uh, channels. And the chase is so long that one helicopter ran out of fuel, forcing its station to ask for another camera feed. Radio station M also provided live coverage of the low-speed pursuit, which I thought was funny. Because it's like... Yeah, it was so a was, low
2: speed. Yeah, like, 35 miles an point. hour
1: on the, the highway. Yeah, exactly. Like, just get in front of him. Jeez. that's what is just like so crazy like they're just following him <laughs> at like a <eight> turtle's crawl <laughs> you know yeah um so people were going wild they had people up and down the freeway on the overpass with signs not sure how ha- they had time to get signs ready but they did um <laughs> well they were only going 35 miles per hour so <laughs> They had a little while. Oh my god. So they were freaking out. They were yelling. They were cheering. They were like saying all kinds of stuff. And it seemed like everyone was pretty much in support of him like fleeing the police. So finally after a long chase, uh, it went into the night. At this point it was like dark and he decided to go back to his house where his children were. And his son actually ran out and greeted him. ...at the car, and also 27 SWAT officers waited for him, and the chase ended around 8 p.m., and it was a 50-mile chase. So they just went around for 50 miles all around to finally end up right back at his house.
2: So insane.
1: So, after 45 minutes of sitting in the Bronco, talking about killing himself, and just kind of being dramatic, Simpson exited exited the vehicle at 8 50 p.m with a family framed photo and he went inside for about an hour in the bronco police found eight thousand dollars in cash as well as a change of clothes and a 357 magnum and a united states uh passport family pictures and a disguise kit with a fake goatee and a mustache. Did you just say he went
2: inside for Bob
1: Noah? Yeah. Just chilling inside. Like, they're all standing outside of his house Everyone and they just let him in? so much. What is happening? 27 SWAT people. Oh my god. <sighs> okay. Like, I get it. He's a celebrity. But you don't just let him do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. So, okay. It was a different time. I know that. But mm-hmm. still. It was a crazy time. It was a very crazy time. So, um, Simpson was booked at the Park Center Jail and was taken to the Men's Central Jail. And AC was also booked on suspicion of harboring a fugitive and held at a $25,000, sorry, a twenty-five hundred dollars bond. OJ wanted a speedy trial, so the defense and prosecution attorneys worked around the clock for several months to prepare their cases, and the trial began on January 24, 1995, and was televised by CCTV cameras, via Court TV, and in part by other cable companies and news outlets for 134 days. In October 1994, Judge Lance started to interview 304 prospective jurors, and in um, November 3rd, they narrowed it down to 12 jurors and 12 ar- alternatives. Over the course of the trial, 10 were dismissed for a wide variety of reasons. Only four of the original jurors remained on the final panel,
2: which I thought was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, all the trial stuff, once we start getting there, it's all crazy to me. Yeah. I have theories. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. You can tell your theories whenever you're ready. Okay. I'm going to
2: wait until you finish up. Finish with the verdict. Okay. And then I'll tell.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. The prosecution began presenting their case on January 24th, 1995. Christopher Darden um, presented the circumstantial evidence of Simpson's history of domestic violence toward Nicole as the motive for her murder. They argued in opening statements that Simpson had a history of physical abuse towards Nicole and had pled guilty to one account of domestic violence for beating Nicole in 1989. It was alleged that on the night of the murder, Simpson attended a dance recital for his daughter and was reportedly angry about the black dress nicole wore At the reci- after the recital simpson returned home to a voicemail from his girlfriend ending their relationship and simpson then drove over to nicole's house to reconcile the relationship as a result and th- when nicole refused simpson killed her in a final act of control The prosecution also discussed the gloves worn by the murderer and how one was found at the crime scene and the other was found at Simpson's home. They stated that there is a trail of blood from the crime scene through Simpson's Ford Bronco and into his home in Rockingham. There's a mountain of evidence pointing to Simpson's guilt. Evidence included Simpson's DNA found on blood drops next to the bloody footprints near the victims' bodies at the crime scene. DNA was also found on his his trail of blood leading from the victims towards the back gate. Simpson's, Ron's, and Nicole's DNA was also found outside the door and inside Simpson's Bronco. Simpson's DNA was also found on blood drops leading from the area where his Broncos parked at Simpson's Rockingham home to the front door entrance, as well as Simpson, Nicole, and Ron's DNA on a bloody glove found at his home. The defense argued that results from the DNA testing were not reliable because the police were sloppy in collecting and preserving it from the crime scene. And then came the infamous glove during the trial. They made OJ put the gloves on, and it was, like, over, um, like, a latex glove. So, it was, like, obviously hard to get the glove on, but they came up with, um, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit, talking about the glove, and that was the whole thing during the trial. Yeah. So... If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. And because there were latex gloves on his hand, of course the glove had trouble getting on the hand. So it was an issue, and it did make it look like the glove did not fit. So there was a bunch of riots in this time, and it was just kind of craziness going on, and Mm -hmm. there were so many people who tuned into the verdict announcement. So... At 10 a.m. on Tuesday, October 3rd, which of course is a day before my birthday, wow, <laughs> Simpson! Wow, it started with your mom's birthday and now yours. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> um, so only after um, a few hours of deliberation, Simpson was acquitted on both counts of murder. An estimated 100 million people worldwide. Watched and listened to the verdict announcement. It was wild. People act. People reacted crazily at the verdict. So, um, basically, that's pretty much it. Um, I have my theories, but I want to hear yours. So, go for it, girl. You don't. You don't want to tell yours first. No, I want yours, and then I'm gonna say mine. Okay. So,
2: let me just say that based on your reading of this. I think that you believe he is 100% guilty.
1: 100%. Freaking, the glove did fit, so you need to acquit.
2: I disagree. It did not. Oh,
1: because the, glove the glove light did not glove. did not fit.
2: No. Listen, he's a football player. He does not have extra large hands. He has, like, extra, extra, extra large hands. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, but, yeah.
2: But, okay, so here's my thing. Hold on. First of do all, you think he didn't do it? I think it is very possible that his son did it.
1: What? And he was trying
2: to cover up for his son. No. Yeah. I think that his son, because I don't know if you've seen it, there's a bunch of different like, you know, I'm a conspiracy nut, um, but there's a bunch of different, you know, conspiracy yeah. theorist people out there, and the knit hat that was found is a knit hat that his son, the son not with Right, his other son. Jason, not Justin. Jason. uh, Had been seen wearing in a bunch of them. And I think that makes sense with the fact that he was like, just leave my kids out of this. I think that that makes sense with the fact that he went home to see his kids. I think that that makes sense with the fact that he was like, who killed her? Like, do you guys know it was my son? Because if you do, that's a problem. Mm. Um, I think that he was there. I think that he, his son. I also think that it makes sense with the fact that the um, Nicole and Ron didn't fight back because he was a kid. I mean, he he was an adult kid, but he was still a kid. Right. You know, he was much younger than them. They didn't fight back because they're trying to talk him out of it. Like, dude, calm down. Like, what what's wrong? Like, you know, what's going on? Talk to us about it. And he killed them. And maybe he called his dad, like, oh my god, I don't know what I did. And then OJ gets there, like, get in my car, I'll get you out of this.
1: Oh, shit. That's Um, crazy.
2: Yeah. So, I think it's very possible that his son did it, and he's just trying to get his son out of it. Um, But also, even if he did do, do it, the thing that, about this case, that, like, it's just not... Even though he got acquitted, it still wasn't a fair trial. Like, not to him, but to the prosecution. The prosecution didn't get a fair chance to convict him. The the prosecution had plenty of evidence. Right, um, definitely. Like, the, he should have been convicted, even if he didn't do it, based on that evidence, because of the way our justice system is set up. Um, I think the only reason that they didn't is because of the Rodney King incident in 1993. Um, mm-hmm. Rodney King was the first big, crazy movement of um, police killing black people in an unjustified right. way. And, and the community did not want to see another black person get put down by the justice system mm-hmm. unjustifiably. So his jury is of 12 people. Nine of them were black. Two were white, one was Hispanic. Right. Nine of them were black. Which, I mean, I wish you could say, like, that doesn't matter, but it does. It totally does. Nine of them thought, nine of them thought Rodney King was just unjustifiably killed by police a year ago, and now you're going to unjustifiably send this guy to jail? No, not happening. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to say all of them thought that, but the reason the jury was selected that way was in his favor because they knew that that was going to have a significant play on it. If that had not just happened, I guarantee he'd be in jail right now, even if he wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. So. Very true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I do. I think it's crazy as well. I, for sure, 100%, a million percent, um, think that he did it. Um, yeah. I think that he's completely guilty. I think that the evidence matches up. I think the whole cut on the hand, the glove, and all that stuff, I think it all matches up. So I'm totally for that he did it and he got off and we let a murderer walk free. Um, but that's just me. He's in jail now, though, right? Mm, is he? Didn't he do something else and so now he's in jail for something else? I think else. he's out now. Oh, okay. He he did go yes, to jail, he though, did, for a little while. He, he did something. for, um, <laughs> like, s- robbing or something in Vegas. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure he's out now. But still, I think we let a murderer walk free. That's just me, though. I don't know. Everyone has their own opinions. That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, this was a pretty good one. I love doing... If you can't tell already, I love doing famous cases. It's like my favorite. Controversial cases. Yes, for sure. <laughs> but um, do you have something? Tell else? us your theories. Yeah, for sure. Tell us your theories. I want to hear what you have to say. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with Sierra? Do you have something else that you want to add? Let us know.
2: Yeah. Email us at basic mbpodcast at gmail.com or join our Facebook group. I'm not currently on Facebook at the moment because the world is sad right now and I'm tired of being sad. So I'm only on Instagram and Snapchat. But you can find us on our Facebook group is Basic Murder Fans, or on Instagram at,
1: what was it? Um, basic underscore murder underscore babes. That is my favorite place, so I love to post on Instagram. I love to answer your messages and your comments and all that good stuff, so make sure that you do all that fun, fun stuff for me.
2: Yeah, we're also still trying to figure out Twitter, but you can mm, DM Us or whatever you do on Twitter, tweet at us. Yeah, at us. Do a little on Twitter. It's (laughs) (laughs) it's at Basic Murder Babe without the S. Um. Anyway, yeah, that was fun. What's your What's your uh,
1: happy thought for? Tonight. Okay, so I have a new podcast I started listening to this week. I'm almost done with it because I've been binging it at work and in the car and all that good stuff. I'm excited. I haven't listened to a murdery type podcast in a long time, um, but this is not a murdery type podcast. It is actually a I Survived podcast oh my gosh, I think I saw you say that. Yes, it's so freaking good. If you have never, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know about I Survived, the TV show, it's phenomenal. It's people that have survived the craziest things. It's not just murder. It's not just, like, rape. It's not just, like, um, things like that. It's, like, snowstorms and plane crashes and car crashes, but it's so so good but um um the i survived podcast is just women telling their story about sexual assaults about assault in general um about um All kinds of stuff. I just listened to one where she got stabbed in the head and hit in the head with a hammer and survived. And she is doing amazing. And she's freaking killing it in life. And it's just so empowering to listen to these stories about people who have survived the worst hand that they have ever been dealt and they are still prospering they're still amazing people they're still growing and thriving and it's like shit i had a bad day these people had a bad freaking year and yeah they got through it you can get through it too and it's just uh it opens yes. your eyes it really does it really really does so it's called I Survived the Podcast, and it's so good. I recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it.
2: I have to download that. That sounds amazing. Yeah.
1: And it's it's not it's not murdery. It's not really gruesome. If they if they are gonna have a gruesome one, they'll let you know. So it just pretty much tells the story. The person tells their own story, so you know that they're okay. So it makes you have hope.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's great! Mm-hmm. Um, I also started listening to a new podcast that I'll mention briefly because it's not really one that I—I I don't know if our listeners would enjoy okay. it. Um, I tried. I, I talked to you guys about R slash. I think that was either last week or the week before. Um, I really like R slash. Um, Jesse, my husband, does not like R slash, <laughs> so. On the way here, I'm in Ohio, on the way here, he was like, let's listen to that podcast you like. And I was like, okay, great. And I turned on Autosalash for like one episode, and he was like, mm, let's not listen to that podcast you <laughs> like. Oh, no. It was just not something he was into. So instead, I found Two Bears, One Cave, which is um, Bert Kreischer and Tom Segura, and of all of the comedians that do stand-up, those two are my favorite, for sure. Bert Kreischer looks, he, he resembles my dad, and Tom Segura resembles my older brother. And it's crazy, because every time I listen to them, I'm like, oh my god, that's my dad. Oh my god, that's my brother. And they have a podcast together called Two Bears, One Cave. I, I think it's hilarious.
1: I need to look that anyway, up, because that's I don't that- know, I don't. I feel like I don't know those podcasters. You pro-
2: you do, you do. The, Bert Kreischer does Secret Time on Netflix. Okay. He has a, a special called Secret Time. Okay. And he, he always does his comedy without a shirt Oh, ad. Brent
0: loves yeah, that yeah. guy! Hilarious.
2: Yes, so the whole way here we listen to like, you know, seven hours straight yeah. of Bert Kreischer and Tom Segura. So what's it called again? And two Bears, One Okay, cave.
1: I'll have to tell Brent.
2: Yeah, It's something that me and Jesse can actually listen to in the car together, because I hate listening to music with him, because it's so dramatic. And
1: the same (laughs) music every time. Yes, yes. Yeah, I know Um, how that
2: is. But, also, I wanted to tell you about a new TV show, and honestly... I'm kind of sad to reveal it because I felt like it was, like, my little secret guilty pleasure thing, but it is super awesome. Um, One of my friends, Hannah, told me about it. It's called BuzzFeed's Unsolved. Oh, yeah. And then there's BuzzFeed's Unsolved True Crime and then BuzzFeed's Unsolved Supernatural. And both of them, they're on Hulu. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Like, even Jesse watches it. I can't stop watching it. Yeah. I'm gonna be really sad when it's over. I used to watch that so on um, a
1: on Facebook they'd have oh, little, really yeah, little <laughs> clips of it. And I used to watch it all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So So
2: like the first two episodes are only like five yeah. minutes long because they're like little clips, but then eventually they get longer and yeah, it's it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, awesome. They're hilarious.
1: I will have to check that out for sure. Wow. Yes. This has been a really good episode. I love it's been a really Long, episodes it has. Than I just sorry, <laughs> um, we've been having longer episodes. If that's something you guys like or enjoy, let us know. If you want us to shorten it up, we'll try our hardest. We like we're long winded, we like to talk. Yeah, um, we talk a lot. So, if you like the whole like we're getting drunk and telling murder stories, let us know. If you don't like that, I mean, fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, if you, kind if you of, don't but... like that, then we'll chill out and we'll go back to being more serious. But I like the whole drinking thing because it takes the pressure off of, like, this is a job versus, like, this is for fun. Right. So, remember, this is our fun. This is not our job. <laughs> okay. Well... On that note, we will end this episode, Um, so peace over murder. Peace over murder. Bye, guys. Bye.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?